Hello, everyone. I'm Art Tomasetti. Happy New Year to all, and welcome to our first episode for 2023. Now, hopefully, you're still tracking on your New Year's resolution, and you're doing great, because there's only like 340 days to go. So let's kick off with this week in aviation history. 25 January 1959, the jet age opened when American Airlines began their first scheduled transcontinental passenger service with its new Boeing 707 Astrojet from California to New York. Now, in our lifetime, comes one of those rare moments when a great door swings open and man enters a new age, the age of the jet. The ticket prices for one-way, first class, were $198 and $124 for a coach seat. Now, prior to that first passenger flight, Captain McAtee and Captain Smith had flown the Boeing 707 for about 200 hours. At ceremonies at the airport that day, which was attended by more than 25,000 spectators, delayed the flight by about 20 minutes, but a strong tailwind allowed the flight to make up for lost time. The aircraft departed Los Angeles International Airport at 9.05 a.m. and arrived at Idlewild Airport in New York on schedule. And a majestic silence as distance slips past at 600 miles an hour. And you try to imagine what it will mean to the world this age of the jet, how it will shape the life of man, our future, our children. Now, Idlewild Airport may not be familiar to you, but you probably know it by its current name, John F. Kennedy Airport. It was renamed in 1963. Now, I know this because I have seen Season 2, Episode 18 of The Twilight Zone, entitled The Odyssey of Flight 33. Now, Flight 33 was also a Boeing 707, and it was also flying to Idlewild Airport, but it most definitely did not arrive on time. Twilight Zone is one of my favorite all-time shows, and it's a multi-generational show. The original series ran from 1959 to 1964, and you can still find it on television today. And there have been several revivals, once in 1985, once in 2002, and most recently in 2019. And that is a nice lead-in to our focus topic for the month. Now, one of the great perks of doing this podcast is I get to connect with a lot of people and reconnect with some old squadron mates, colleagues, and friends. Today, I catch up with a friend, Tobias Van Esselstein, call sign T-Bone, who's a retired Marine Corps test pilot and now director of flight test engineering at Gulfstream. We will talk about a couple of topics I think are pretty relevant today. One is working with multi-generational test teams, and two is operating in a post-pandemic environment. So baby boomers, Gen Xers, millennials, and maybe even a few Gen Z folks, put on your generation-appropriate mindset and let's dive in. All right. Uh, one of the great things about doing this podcast is I get to reconnect sometimes with old colleagues, old squadron mates, and old friends. And I guess today is one of those. Uh, Tobias Van Esselstein, uh, T-Bone, thank you for being on the podcast today. And, and I wonder if you could start off by just kind of telling everybody a little bit about your flight test career path and what you're doing now. Sure, Turbo, no problem. I'm happy to be a, be a part of this and appreciate the invite to come join the podcast program. So for me, it's a, a little bit of a non-standard start to, to flight test. I actually got the opportunity to uh, be a co-op student with the Navy back in the early 90s, working as a flight test engineer on the uh, F-18, F-18 program. And for me, that was kind of a, a big life experience change because I thought, I wanted to go down the path of being a flight test engineer, and uh, during that co-op program, I was exposed to the, the test pilot career, and that was something that really uh, gelled with me, 
and it seemed the perfect balance of technical work combined with flying. And I had a few mentors that were very pivotal, pivotal in uh, kind of pushing me to go uh, pursue the, the marine pilot track. So, you know, that's kind of what I did, you know, finished up at uh, Virginia Tech, got my aero degree, uh, joined the Marine Corps through the PLC program, and set off on an adventure to be a pilot. You know, for, for the next 10 years, uh, I pretty much did operational work. I started off as a Cobra attack pilot, and uh, eventually I had the opportunity to end up being a fixed-wing guy and became a uh, F-18 guy. Um, I applied, always had tests in, in the forefront of my mind because that was the initial experience, and that's where I wanted to end up. So at the end of that uh, F-18 operational tour, I applied to test pod school, and I was fortunate enough to get accepted. And so the second half of my career was really kind of a traditional military test pilot career. I did assignments at VX-23 as a Super Hornet project officer and working on weapon separation. Got the opportunity to go back to test pilot school, Navy test pilot school as an IP. Really enjoyed my time there. And I was able to finish out my career in the Marine Corps serving as the director of safety and standardization for uh, VX-23. Uh, transitioned right around 2015 from the Marine Corps, and I was fortunate enough to get hired as a developmental test pilot with Gulfstream Aerospace in Savannah. When I joined Gulfstream in 2015, uh, we were just getting started on the G500 and G600 programs, which would be Gulfstream's first family of fly-by-wire aircraft. This was the, the first time that Gulfstream had done uh, simultaneous certification programs, so it was a great opportunity to get a large amount of exposure to civilian certification flight tests in a relatively short period of time. We kind of put the bow on that in the summer of 2019 with the certification of the T-600, and shortly thereafter, I was offered the opportunity to become the director of flight test engineering within our flight test organization, and I uh, jumped on that right away. Now, working as the director of flight test engineering, it, it really involves me to be inv involved in all aspects of, of flight tests at Gulfstream, and it's provided a unique opportunity to really develop and train our FTE workforce, which I really enjoy. That's great, man. And you've got an incredibly diverse background, you know, rotary wing, fixed wing, operational tests, uh, military and civilians. So you've, you've sort of covered the landscape pretty well so far. I mentioned that we had worked together in the past, and we actually had a, a really brief opportunity here recently to work together again, and that was out at the Society of Experimental Test Pilots Symposium in Anaheim, California. And... Uh, T-Bone and I had the opportunity to work with the outreach program where we bring in students for one day of the symposium and they get opportunity to sit and they talk with some, some of the flight testers that are there and they get to listen to some of the technical presentations, they attend the luncheon uh, and get to do a few other things. But, but one of the reasons I asked Tobias to be on this podcast, because there was a question that came up while we were having a discussion with the students and it was along the lines of, you know, what is it like to work in a multi-generational, you know, world, especially in the flight test world, where you could have flight test teams with, with a mix of very senior people and of very junior people. And you gave a really good response to that, T-Bone. So I was wondering if you'd be able to share. So, so what is your experience? Let's start first at, at Gulfstream with sort of working in that multi-generational test team environment. You know, Turbo, when I, when I transitioned down to Gulfstream, it definitely wasn't one of the things I was thinking about, right? I was, you know, like any test pilot transition out of the military, I was enamored with the opportunity to serve as a test pilot, stay in the cockpit, and work for an OEM and do the job that I love. And then when I got down to flight test and started introducing myself to the test teams, I quickly noticed that there was uh, pretty much an age gap. Uh, pilots were considerably older. 
And uh, another dynamic that was really different for, for, from my experience was the fact that the test team was no longer at the end of the radio, just, you know, NTM talking to the test conductor with the rest of the test team there. They're actually on the aircraft with us, serving as a valuable part of the air crew. So now this generational gap, which may be a little bit uh, not as a, a big issue in, in a military tactical uh, frame, for us was something that was, uh, you know, quite unique, you know. Right. And as I had the opportunity to do our, our my first couple uh, stories and developmental test stories at Gulfstream, I realized that, you know, it's actually quite nice to have the system expert for the system that's under test there on the aircraft serving as the TC, because as you run into issues, you know, who better to decide what we need to do and what the next steps are than the guy that's there as the part of the team. So, you know, it's quite, uh, it's quite a unique opportunity the way we do it and, uh, and, and how it comes out. One of the things that's kind of interesting that you need to understand uh, when you talk about multi-generational flight tests at Gulfstream is, is, is how we source our, our test pilots. Actually, just at, at almost 50, I'm one of the younger test pilots at Gulfstream. The majority of our guys follow a similar career path as me, come out of the military, get to Gulfstream, and they really enjoy the work that we do. So they stay there for years. Right. Now, this is a, it's a, it's a great thing for us because, you know, they come with an immense amount of test experience and knowledge to the test team, but it really results in an, in an older test population. Doing some quick data or uh, doing some quick math earlier today, you know, our average test pilot is, uh, is in their late 50s, which is a stark contrast to our FTE workforce. Our FTE workforce has an average age of about 29. And most of them are homegrown uh, FTEs that we uh, usually get. They come on board with about one to three years of experience mm -hmm. before joining Callstream. So you can imagine that we've got kind of a, a, a challenge there in the organization working with these uh, age-diverse crews and ensure that they have the familiarity and training and experience to, to function as, as an efficient test group. And, and there's a couple things that we've done once we recognize that we had a little bit of this discontinuity. So age was one of the pieces that was kind of an issue for us and, and bridging the age gap. And another uh, piece that we really didn't talk about in Anaheim, but is quite similar, is kind of the new workforce that we're dealing with in this post-pandemic era. One of the things that our company has challenged us and most companies have is to provide either a remote or a hybrid work opportunity for your workforces. And that's what a lot of the younger people are looking for. They're looking for that ability to you know, work from home a day or two a week or at times maybe work remotely if their work supports it. And, you know, in an effort to retain good talent, we want to be flexible and adaptable. And Gulfstream has adapted a lot of those policies. But what that results in is it's less time for the test teams to be together, less time for them to develop that familiarity that's going to ultimately make them an effective crew when they're out there testing. So it's really kind of the combination of these two things that we looked at over the last two years, two or three years, and said, hey, you know, what can we do to really kind of bridge this gap? We're starting to notice a bit of a gap. We're seeing some, some struggles in execution and planning, and how can we start to bring this together? So we kind of approached it in a kind of a three-tiered fashion. And one of the things, I mean, nothing here is really all that cosmic. It's right. kind of a back-to-basics, but really just more of a focus back-to-basics. So for starters, what we what we do is we try to conduct the majority of our formal test reviews in person. You know, while this isn't always possible, but what we've seen is that if we can get the test team together for that detailed planning uh, during events and, and promote that team interaction, 
to, to be together doing that detailed planning really steps us off in, uh, in execution pretty well. Right. The second thing we started doing in, uh, I think it was in the 2020, in the second half of 2020, when we were just coming off of the full remote pandemic, was um, some quarterly all-air crew meetings. We have some organizational challenges at Gulfstream. The FTEs are part of the flight test organization. The pilots are part of the flight ops organization. Each of them have different requirements for the company. We're not always co-located together. So just spending time together sometimes is a bit of a challenge based off of everybody's commitments to the company. So we started doing these quarterly all-air crew meetings um, where we discuss recent test events, safety issues, and we review our lessons learned in, uh, in an open forum. These are, are strictly an in-person event, and they're really designed to uh, facilitate familiarity with the team, kind of break down those, those barriers, get one another to get folks to introduce themselves and, and know one another, and they really support our safety culture because we provide a forum where everybody, there's about 80 of us together, combine the pilots and the air crew, I'm sorry, the pilots and the FTEs, and where we can participate in, a, in an open safety uh, conversation and, and discuss the lessons learned. Now, you and I both know that, uh, you know, back in the military, this was just kind of a, a common attribute of a, of a healthy test ready room, right? And right. This is kind of what we did every week at the, uh, at the weekly AOM, but it's a little bit of a, of a, of a cultural barrier to overcome uh, in the civilian world to, to kind of get this healthy. You know, a lot of folks hadn't done something like this before. They weren't used to, to talking openly in an environment uh, of all of their peers about the things that they, they may have done right and the things that they may have done wrong. Um, and doing all that in the middle of a pandemic where the company only wants three people in a room at the same time was a bit of a challenge. But, you know, turns out we, we own a few hangers and we can space out a bunch of chairs and hand out a bunch of masks. And, uh, and we were able to kind of make it work. And it's something that we've been continuing and we plan to continue uh, going forward. Uh, you know, the meetings are really good for us to, to really break down some of the barriers and show a commitment to our test teams that we are really committed to getting together, talking about safety, being together as a team, and that's what's going to help us out. And then I'd say the final thing that we've done is we've kind of um, reinvigorated our CRM program a bit. You know, CRM is a, is a great program. It's very applicable to tests. And when you've got a bunch of barriers that are keeping the team from executing, a lot of them are just, you know, if you can – educate the team on CRM and we can execute well with CRM, those things are going to take care of themselves. So really what we do is it's not, it's kind of borrowed from the military. Um, we do an initial for our, our flight test engineers. They get an initial CRM. Uh, they get some CRM evaluation during flights and during uh, training simulators. And they also, we do a, a recurrent based on how long you've been there. It might be a yearly or every three years if you've been working for us for about a decade or longer. Now, recently when we took a look at it, we realized a bit of an oversight is that the, the pilots actually do their CRM uh, when they're doing recurrent training. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had a bit of a disconnect in that we're doing FTE-specific CRM, really kind of focused on those young FTEs with, you know, one to six years of experience and didn't have a lot of pilot interaction. So we've now fixed that. We bring the pilots in to really kind of serve as facilitators, if you will, during the, uh, the CRM discussions. Because it's really both what I like to say, the front of the house and the back of the house that work together to execute a, uh, you know, a test mission. So right. that's just another way that we've kind of helped to, to overcome the barriers. And, and one of the other things that we do, and I think this is 
really important, uh, carried over again from our, our, our previous lives, is every portion of our debriefs, you know, we start off with a technical debrief of the test flight. Usually there's a bunch of engineers and program managers and other folks on the phone that are interested in how we did that day with respect to the test point and the system maturity. And then when we turn off the phone and it's just us in the room, the test air crew, we spend a little bit of time talking about CRM. We spend a little bit of time talking about the good things and the bad things that we did that day. And where I think that's really important is the young crews get to see that, hey, it's, it's an ongoing thing. It's not something that you just take a class in and you maybe talk about it in a simulator once a year. But, hey, every day we need to focus on, hey, what do we do well and what do we not do so well? And that's how we can kind of bring, you know, uh, some diverse test crews of, uh, that might include a 65-year-old PIC and a 22-year-old FTE and really get them to be a, a part of the team and, uh, and work together. Right. And I appreciate the, the analogies you made to sort of pulling from the military experience and, and into the current world that you operate in today. And you mentioned CRM and, and obviously, you know, one of the key components of that is trying to create that environment where people, you know, see something, say something, use the no vote, however you want to describe that environment you're trying to create, where somebody will speak up if they if they feel like something isn't going correctly. And, and it sounds like you guys have taken a really interesting approach to, to working that out, especially given the challenges of the sort of post-pandemic world we live in. Any other uh, analogies or, or things that you, like maybe you personally have pulled in from your military experience that helps you work that challenge uh, or or helps you with that opportunity in the current role? Uh, yeah, I think one of the things is just familiarity and working together as a team. You know, most of the things that you do you don't need really great teamwork to do until they get hard, right? right? And nothing that we're doing in FAA certification is really that hard, but what makes it hard is the pressure that the programs put on us and the companies put on us to finish at a certain deadline so we can begin to sell the product. Sure. So we get that programmatic pressure to get things done. And what I like to, to, to discuss with the teams is really is really – gaining that familiarity and working together as a team during development tests and during company tests. So when we reach that third phase of certification test, and that's kind of where the pressure's on. It's the final piece. The FAA is usually on board with us in executing, and we're very close to the end. Um, so when the pressure's on, we're used to executing together, we're familiar with one another, and we can, we can pick each other up uh, when we're having good days and, and bad days, just like we did back in the military you know, kind of using team building before we went off on operational missions and using those same kinds of things. So I think the similarities are, are the same because, in essence, it's, it's flying in a, uh, you know, in, in, a, in a pressurized environment, if you will, where you need to, you need to get results. Right. So I think those things are good. And building that, that camaraderie and teamwork together also makes it a little bit of fun. So, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying the day when you go out and spend eight hours in an aluminum tube at 45,000 feet getting some <laughs> test cards done. Having a little bit of fun along the way makes it enjoyable for everybody. Absolutely. All right, T1. Hey, this has been great. I really appreciate you taking the time out to kind of share some of what you all are experiencing at Gulfstream, working through the, the challenges of not only the sort of multi-generational world we live in now, but the post-pandemic world we live in now as well. So I give everybody who comes on the podcast an opportunity to leave the audience with some parting words of wisdom. So if you had to give the, uh, if you remember nothing else from Tobias Van Esselstein to our listeners out there in the podcast world, what would that be? Well, it's kind of something, uh, Turbo, that I share with all 
the new FTEs when, when they come on board. You know, and I welcome to them to the uh, aviation community. And, uh, you know, most of them, just like you and I were many months ago, are excited to be there and happy that there's a hangar full of airplanes. And I just challenge them to never stop learning. And that's what I love so much about our, uh, you know, the, the test pilot job and uh, the Society of Experimental Test Pilots is that we're always there. We're trying to learn more about our craft, more about our system, more about our air vehicle, and more about the lessons that other people across the community and across the flight test uh, are, are learning and sharing with us. So, you know, that desire to, for continued education is really what I push on them. And, uh, you know, it's something that, you know, I'm 30 years into this and still learning stuff every day, and I, and I think I'll probably continue to learn until the day I uh, decide to walk away from it. But uh, I think that's the thing. Just always be ready to, to embrace new learning and uh, new experiences, and you'll do well in this community. All right, great. Uh, so, T-Bone, thank you again for taking time out to talk with us today. It was a pleasure to reconnect. Okay, no worries, Turbo. Thanks a lot for the Flight Test Podcast. You're, you're doing a great job introducing a, a new way to reach out and do uh, some some flight test safety reach out for everybody. And as somebody in the industry who's pretty busy, I really enjoy it when they pop out. I can spend an afternoon on the way home uh, connecting with what other folks in the industry are doing. So please keep up the good work. All right. Thanks, my friend. So that discussion hit on a few challenges test teams face today. How does your team cope with changes since the pandemic and managing multi-generational teams? Okay, here's some upcoming events to be aware of. The North American Flight Test Safety Workshop will take place in May in Wichita, Kansas. Our tutorial theme this year is Risk Management for the Future of Flight, exploring how risk management can be applied to new technologies. So join us for the Flight Test Safety Workshop 23 tutorial and learn more about how to apply risk management to testing of aircraft that don't fit in our traditional or historical perspective of aircraft design. The call for papers is out, so consider sharing a lesson or a practice with us. You can find more information on the website www.flighttestsafety.org. Also now the Flight Test Safety Committee is soliciting nominations for the Tony LeVere Flight Test Safety Award. Now, this award recognizes a single individual or small group of individuals who recently have made a significant flight test safety contribution to the flight test community as a whole, to an organization, a specific program, or even a singular event. A link to the criteria and nomination information can be found in the podcast description. Deadline to submit those nominations is 30 March, so please think about recognizing your people for the great work they are doing. And that'll wrap us up for this month. We would love to hear your feedback and your ideas for the podcast. So don't be shy. Share your thoughts with us. I'll be back next month. So until then, be safe, be smart, and be ready. The Flight Test Safety Podcast is sponsored by Time to Climb Training and Consulting. Motivate your team to succeed, accelerate towards your goals, and elevate to a higher level of performance. On the web at www.time2climb.com.